All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Anglers Happy Hour podcast. Today, we've got an awesome guest joining us, Jody White from the Northeast. Um, he's got a lot of great information and stories about, um, you know, fishing countrywide, but especially some cool insights on fishing in the Northeast. It's something that we don't get to do much outside of the summertime. So I just thought it was really interesting to hear about what he does and what he catches in the cooler months, you know, as a lot of people are putting their boats away up there. Um, but before we get to Jody, we've got a couple uh, things to touch up on and of course, check in with the guys. So uh, let's, uh, let's start with you, Nick. What, uh, what's up your way, man. What's up, man. Good morning. Uh, yeah. Not a whole lot, man. Just, uh, just kind of living the life of luxury, you know, just nice. living, living the dream, man. No one's been very sick lately. So got that going for us. Cause I know there's been like a major, illness for anyone who has kids going around so oh, dodged yeah. that uh so you know most of my reality has been listening to joe rogan alien podcasts and men's rec league basketball games so you know just never a dull moment how'd your championship game go uh, it was first first week of the playoffs and uh we, we took care of business so tuesday is semifinals, and if you win that dude you turn around and play the finals so we're gonna have to have mobile IV techs on on site to uh, prevent someone from dying because that is way more cardio than a you know mid thirty year old person should ever have to be subjected to. But we'll see. First things first, we got to get through the uh, lawyers. The the team that's dominated men's rec league basketball this season is a group of asshole attorneys. No and, way. Uh, they they stomped us hard in like week three or week four. But don't uh, hurt I, any of them. I, uh, <laughs> Well, there's a lot of lawyer jokes that maybe could be infused here, but uh, yeah, we got to we got to we got to play our best game against them. We got them in the semis, and they're the best team in the league. So if we beat them, we just roll over three quarters dead into the finals and just survive 40 minutes, dude. Five on five, full court for 40 minutes. I almost threw up the first game because I'm not in shape. I am so out of shape. I don't, you know, carry rifles uphill like you do, Rob, and ride mountain bikes. I am so sedentary that. Uh, it's been it's been rough, but it's a lot of fun. How many points you got on the season? You know, I'm usually good for like a double double every night with the occasional. No, absolutely not. I'm good for like <laughs> five fouls. You know, I always get my five nice. fouls. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> dude. If I end a game where I didn't like, I haven't fouled out, but I always try and get right to the edge. If I finish a game with fouls left on the table, I feel like I haven't contributed enough. So Nick's I'm usually a good dirty for, player, dude. I would uh, imagine, yeah my personality speaks to that <laughs> yeah. so you, you don't want me no i like to be that scrappy little guy that gets a lot of fouls i try to rebound a lot but i'm too short for you know if somehow there's a lot of tall people in the world that you don't know about until you play a sport that's dominated by tall people so i'm usually good for like eight points a couple rebounds a lot of fouls that's that's usually my go-to what's your team name we are the people's mortgage Okay. Because my friend who signed us up is a lender for people's mortgage. So, you know, it's <laughs> funny when I wanted, I wanted vans and vasectomies, like, you know, and, and I got to pick our That'd jerseys, be a good name. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right. And uh, do you remember in the nineties when the Charlotte Hornets had Larry Johnson and they had like teal with white pinstripes going down it? I remember those jerseys, dude. I mean, I remember the Hornets from back in the day for sure. Yeah, so, so that's what I selected on Amazon. They were $12 a piece. So we all are wearing teal white pinstripe jerseys and it's funny because everyone else takes it really serious they have like nicer jerseys than us and like you know they're they're actually trying the attorneys have their names on the back nice. it's totally like dodgeball the movie it's it's pretty good but uh 
That's fun, man. Such a random deal to kind of get involved in. And it sounds like it's been a huge <laughs> success. That's awesome. And you, thanks, Pat. And, and you guys are still tournament fishing pretty regularly. Obviously you are Josh and competitive stuff is just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And you find yourself like a team sport when you make like a three and, and like it, it changes the momentum or like you make a steal or something. Oh, it's, I don't know, man. It's definitely a hit on the old, you know, that's, that's a drug hit right there. The dopamine's yes. flowing. That's great. And equally, when you F something up, you really feel it because you have four other people that you let down on the court. So it's a lot of fun. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's funny man. you mentioned that, how how adrenaline flows like that. I've experienced it in mountain bike races, which I've only done a few. But like the older you get, the the more you recognize that, right? Like Dude. when you're young, it's just something that happens, right? And Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty in interesting. First, the first game of the season was a nail biter. We were playing a whitewater rafting company somehow based out of Gilbert. Like, so apparently they must raft the Colorado river. And these were, this was like a team stacked with like late 20 year old capable athletes. And somehow we were going blow for blow with them all game. And it came down to the final possession and I got lucky dude. And I made like the most ridiculous floater. Like it was like a 15 or 20 foot rainbow that went in. I, I don't think I've ever experienced a high so much as beating some random whitewater rafting team in men's rec league basketball. It was like two weeks before you could wipe the smile off my face, man. I was like living big. So got to love it. Think you guys could beat a WNBA team? No, absolutely no? not. All right. <laughs> Even with Brittany Griner in prison in Russia, we couldn't <laughs> beat it. <laughs> no way. We are not capable. All right. <laughs> well, dude, speaking of dopamine and uh, competition, Rob, you've uh, you've had a pretty interesting uh, last week or so uh, with competition yourself, dude. Let's talk about this head-to-head tournament. Yeah, it was so I talked about the head-to-head a, a while ago, maybe a month or so ago, and originally it was going to be sixty-four guys, totally like a, um, a college basketball bracket, right? Um, but they were only able to get forty-eight guys, which in my eyes is still a success. So they uh, it was head-to-head. Um, so we fished basically set Friday. I keep thinking it was Saturday, but f- last Friday we fished, uh, the morning started out with 48 boats, uh, within four and a half, five hours, it was cut down to 24 that afternoon. It was down to 12 and, and so on. Um, so I made it through the first cut I had 11 and a half pounds and I was telling Josh, like, like. I haven't fished a tournament in a long time, at least multiple day tournament like that. Um, and I did not take care of myself. I didn't drink enough water. I didn't <laughs> eat enough. Like I was running on pure adrenaline. Like it was amazing. Um, it, so anyhow, I got through the first cut. Uh, I caught him pretty good that morning. I had 11 and a half pounds. Um, felt like I did my job and, and the, lake's, the lake's real finicky right now, especially yeah. for big fish. Like that's a, that's a real solid bag for a short morning with just one guy. Yeah. And, and I really believed going into this tournament that, I mean, it was all about catching five first, right? You have to have a limit. You have to at least, um, being in a short period like that. So, um, caught him shallow, caught him quick, um, stayed shallow throughout that period. Um, it definitely tapered off as the morning went, um, came in and I passed on to the next group. So got down to the 24, we went back out, uh, we're Did sitting there. 
What's that? Who do you fish against round two? Uh, round two is Johnny Johnson. The first round was against John Hill and great guy. Enjoyed, uh, enjoyed getting to know him a little bit. Um, cause I mean, you're just talking to these guys like you're, it's literally a tournament against one other guy. So it's kind of mind boggling because <laughs> you, you see another boat and you're like, Oh, I don't have to worry about that guy. I have to worry about one guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is good and bad. I mean, some so, mind games could come into play there, right? Complete mind both ways. <laughs> So the next round was Johnny Johnson, and I'm like, I want to beat him bad. Like I just, I just <laughs> did. Great guy, but dude, yeah, I mean, that's great a guy. big fish. To, that's a big fish. He to wanted to beat me game. just as bad as I wanted to beat him. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> so we come in, and he's like, "Hey, my scale's a little wonky," and I'm like, "Yeah, mine is too." He goes, "Let's go weigh him up at the, you know, up at the uh, official scale." So we did, and I was fortunate to move past and go on to Saturday morning. So. Uh, at the end of that day, I was absolutely smoked. <laughs> like, like again, I hadn't eaten anything. I was just, it was terrible. In between the periods, Brett was like, hey, did you eat a sandwich yet? And I'm like, oh, no. I, he had to remind me to eat. And, dude, I love to eat. Nice. Like, I never forget yeah. to eat. So it just shows how jacked I was about fishing, you know. So I went out that next round on Saturday, and I had a deep spot, and I literally had a limit in 20 minutes. Like it was quick. Um, and I left, I tried to fish shallow a little bit and I just felt like that was my best chance at a better fish was shallow. And I ended up going back, uh, to the deep spot and cold up quite a few times and was able, had I not done that, I don't think I'd have passed on to that on to Saturday. So, um, so sat, Saturday morning, I was paired up with Dylan Maxson. Um, he guides with these great, great young fishermen, uh, we went out and again, I caught the crap out of him, just never caught any quality fish and he beat me by a pound. So, uh, but it's amazing how quick that thing goes. I mean, Dylan went into the top six at that point. Right. And so it's like, You're getting I was real a pound close. away from pound away from making the top six. And then, um, I believe the gentleman that won it, um, I think his name's John Whaley. Is that right? Watley maybe. Something yeah. Like that. Yes. It's something like that. Yep. Yeah. 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 From Payson apparently. Is that where he's from? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he, he caught very small bags and then the last day caught a big bag and won the boat. So congratulations to him, but it just shows how that thing plays out. Right. Like it just depends on who you're paired with. I mean, there was guys that moved on with three pounds. There was guys that got cut with 12 pounds. I mean, (laughs) just amazing. So there's a, a fair amount of luck in that deal, but you still have to catch them every single time. So how long it. were the periods? So it was like a four hour or a six hour. Like, how did they break it up? Uh, they they originally said it was going to be like a four hour period, but I mean, we were safe light till eleven, and then okay. I mean, we, we went out probably again at noon to five, so they were closer to five hour periods, you know. Yeah. So that's um, a big day of fishing with like a lot of uncertainty and deadline. I bet that was a pretty exciting format to participate in. It was very exciting. Yep, yep. But it was. Um, I don't know. I would have just hated to been one of the guys that had 12 pounds that got knocked out with 12 and a half. Or, that's a tough pill yeah. to swallow, dude. That's a tough one. And man. you look over at the guy that's that's got the boat after catching three pounds, you know, in yeah. a couple rounds. Dude, that's a tough pill to swallow. It is tough. Yeah. Especially, I mean, that's a significant entry fee. And uh, we're all so used to, like, at least being in the mix with a decent bag, uh-huh. right? 
Now all of a sudden guys are out with a great bag. It's like, <laughs> what? Makes yeah, it parody though, you know, Think like, about it. entertaining. It's, it's rich. You, you just got- have, I kept telling myself that going in, right? Like that's very likely I'm just going to go fish. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to enjoy it. And that's exactly what I did. So, um, uh, Brett Height and uh, Julius Maisie and Stephen Mack and I, we all hung out that night and camped and ate elk burgers and had, so I just, I brought, I, I enjoyed that whole aspect of it, right? Like just, yeah. and I told myself in the beginning, that's what I was going to do. So, and it, and again, I mean, I went out easy, like, like Dylan caught a pound more than me. So, I mean, he deserved it. I didn't catch him that great. Neither one of us really did, but it was like, that is what it is. And it was uh-huh. way, way easier pill to swallow than some of those guys had. So. Sure. Well, yeah. you did good, dude. I mean, you did good. You. you, Yeah. I mean, to you basically, you, you won two rounds, man. So, yeah. uh, you but didn't it's let a, the podcast down. So it's, I did let the podcast down. No, you didn't. But, You're okay. Oh, I did. I, I felt like I let down my son and my wife because oh, they were gosh, so excited dude. for me, dude. It was so funny. You didn't let anyone down. But, it's a real interesting um it's an interesting thing to dive into a tournament with a significant um win like a boat they gave away a fifty thousand dollar boat that's huge right um but I felt like I was a new tournament fisherman, but I have a ton of experience so because it was such of the a, format but it was no nah, just because I haven't fished tournaments that much and like I haven't fished a big tournament since two thousand five. Think about that. That's a long time. Yeah. But so it's just weird being like a, a new guy, but I have experience. Does that make yeah. sense? So it's like, an yeah. interesting spot. Yeah, it really is. Right. So yeah. it was fun. So anyhow, hopefully yeah. they do. How about again, you, Josh? Man. Uh, You know, for me, it's been pretty chill. I've been uh, getting back on the water a little bit, doing a little bit of guiding, Um, you know, just family stuff. It's been a pretty mundane a couple couple of weeks for me, which is good. I needed it after uh, you know the way the uh, season ended, so it's been good. Um, just getting caught up, trying to line things up for next year. Just doing, just balancing uh, home life with the family, making a little extra cash guiding and uh, prepping and doing all the the business stuff I need to be doing to wrap up this year and get ready for next year. So just a, just a big mix of that. It's 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 been relaxing, but also busy at the same time, but, but really nothing, nothing crazy going on. Had a, a the, the fishing last week, we had one epic day, one mediocre day and one tough day. Um, so <laughs> it, it's kind of hard after that. The first day I went up, up, up to Roosevelt, we just crushed them. And I was like, Oh, this is awesome, dude. We are going to, it's going to be the best fall ever. And then it tapered off. We had some weird weather and stuff and whatever. So I'm, I'm not making any judgments yet on how the rest of the fall and winter is going to be. But uh, I went from feeling like, dude, this is going to be crazy. I need to, I need to get everyone up here to like, ah, I still uh, need to do a little bit of, of work to, to get back on these fish. So we'll see how next week goes. I've got uh, a few trips to begin the week. So we'll, we'll go from there, but um, nothing too crazy. So I won't dive too far into it. I did have, I did have one uh, funny dream that I thought you guys would crack up at before we get over to Jody. Um, so my wife dyed her hair last night, just some like home hair dye. Right. And uh, so apparently, you know, before you go to bed, that whatever you're kind of thinking about or what you're involved in will sometimes translate into a dream. And uh, I was talking to you guys as we were getting ready for this podcast. So dude, 
in my dream somehow I fast I fast forward it's like the it's the last day of school and our kids are getting out of school and they don't even go to school together but we for whatever reason are celebrating the last day of school and Nick <laughs> Nick's Nick and his kids are coming over to celebrate and uh <laughs> dude Nick shows up at my house and he's got his his hair is like not shaved off but it's shaved real thin like a buzz cut nice and it's pink oh nice yeah and uh he looks pretty cool dude he looked pretty cool with pink hair so just keep that in mind dude if you ever need to change it up yeah i'm always a wild card (laughs) i don't have much hair left i don't even know if i'm gonna have enough hair to make that happen by the end of this school year but if it does i might just have to try it for you give it a shot yeah (laughs) well you know rob yeah, I, I, inappropriate joke. Won't even go there. So don't worry. I will. I will let you uh, know if I decide to shave my head and dye it pink. You'll okay. be the first to know. <laughs> All right, perfect. Thanks. But anyways, uh, let's uh, let's send it over to Jody. It was really an enjoyable interview talking to him. We appreciate his time. We we were like eBaying for them back in the day. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was hardcore trying to get flatworms. Yeah, the next secret worm, Josh. But the next secret worm Berkeley has, they need they need to call it the Cameron. That'd be beautiful. Yeah, seriously, dude. Dude, that actually would be really funny. There were a lot. <laughs> yeah, for the six people that listen to the podcast and know about it, it'd be great, dude. Uh, so when it was when that thing was like really blowing up, um, I was never more popular in my life. There were so many times it. on the water where people would come by, guys that you know you fish against all the time, but you never really talk to. Josh, what's up, dude? Hey, man, how's how's your family doing? How, how are your kids? <laughs> and then, like at the end of the conversation, oh yeah, oh oh, dude, yeah. But while while I'm I'm right here. By the way, you don't happen to have an extra bag of those flatworms, do you, dude? So funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. But anyways, uh, welcome back to the podcast, uh, everybody. We got Jody White here. Um, a lot of you know Jody. Um, he's he goes as Jody Blanco on uh, some of his social media handles, but. Uh, veteran of the uh, fishing industry uh stud tournament fisherman in the northeast uh, based out of vermont jody what's going on your way man i'm just trying to enjoy all the fall fishing i can and we're kind of in the slow period of work now so it's good that's cool yeah um we've been uh, trying to hook up here for a couple a uh, couple weeks a couple weeks ago we had a little glitch on our end and then uh we've been trying to connect uh since jody got back from uh, Gunnersville in Alabama working the uh, last major league fishing tournament over there, the Toyota series. But uh, yeah, he made the the poor choice of going fishing yesterday over doing a, a last minute podcast with us. And, and how much weight did you catch yesterday for your best five? Some measly little. Uh, yeah. 31 point. I want to say seven, six. I am going to be looking at the, yeah, 31, seven, six. I'm going to be looking at that photo of the scale for a long time. <laughs> I think it would be better doing a podcast, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> where it was where like, are you totally worth based it. out of, Jody? Uh, so I live in southern Vermont. So like I'm, okay. I've got a bunch of local lakes. Well, not a bunch, <clears throat> but I've got local lakes near me within 45 minutes to an hour. And then like the south end of Champlain is a little more than an hour. And then the north end, which is where it's fun now, is, you know, I guess realistically like two hours or so. Um to like get a boat up in there it's a little bit of a hike but still fish it a lot because champlain oh yeah Um, two hours to get on that lake that lake is uh dude it's you're probably a little biased to it but it's the best there is really like it's the 
it's probably the best there is when it comes when you take in every single account of uh, factors in, in what makes a bass fishery good and cool. I can't think of one that's better. Can you? I love some of my local lakes, and I but they're too small. And I love the St. Lawrence, but you kind of just have to fish for smallmouth. Um, but man, the variety on Champlain, like you can win a tournament with 50 pound braid. You can win a tournament with eight pound test. Like it's, I love it. And it's got the best sunsets. I think I haven't mm, been out, that's West interesting, much, but dude. it's got some of the best sunsets on the East coast. Like for sure. Because if you are on the Vermont side, looking over the Adirondacks, oh, it's mm. perfect. That's pretty cool. So, it does have it's just a high a, the level horizon lake. on that lake. It's got a, it's just it's a beautiful lake to be on, man. But I does mean, it's got its yeah. challenges too. Does Go it ahead, freeze man. over? Is I mean, you are you coming to an end and you're fishing up there? Uh my water on my small lakes is like mid fifties right now. I think I saw like fifty five yesterday by the end of the day, which that's is warm, dude. Pretty warm. Um, now it's supposed to snow some next week, uh, and usually like. I've had years where I'm fishing my my local lakes up until like Christmas, beginning of January. I've also had years where I'm done like just after Thanksgiving. Um, last year, I think it was like January 7th or something like that, or 9th was the last day I fished. And that was on Champlain. Because um, Champlain, like it's so big and deep that depending where you want to be on it, you can chase water temperature and... You just have to be able to put a boat in to catch them. Um, but at the same time, it does freeze over. Like some of the places I caught smallmouth in December, I caught lake trout on the ice in like February and March. So you That's do, we do wild. have an actual end of the season. It happens. <laughs> <laughs> What's your yeah. biggest lake trout? Sorry, Josh. Oh, I don't really know. Uh, I never have gone out there with a scale, like, but. I've caught, I would say, big ones. Uh, you know, they're probably, I don't know, probably seven or eight pounds. Like, maybe a little, maybe a little bigger, but they're not like a, they're not like heavy, like a twelve-pound sheep set or something. Like, they're not really big, um, but they're long and they're cool. They bite really hard through the ice. They're fun. Yeah. Nice. They, uh, they look like an awesome fish. I know, Nick, you fish for them a little bit, and uh, I've never caught a lake trout. An interesting nugget, actually, from uh, my fishing yesterday. I was out fishing with uh, Corbin Burns, who Rob knows. Um, he's a pitcher for the Brewers. And he was telling me that Bob Euchre, you guys know who Bob Euchre is? <laughs> he is, yeah, he's the, uh, for any listener that doesn't know, he's like the longtime announcer for the Brewers. He's like got a huge personality, very, uh, interesting guy um but he's been in movies and a bunch of movies and stuff like that just uh character but he loves bass fishing and you know based out of milwaukee apparently uh bob euchre is like on every every time the team goes on the road he doesn't travel and do the away games so he just fishes the great lakes every day he's got like a he's got a, a killer like walleye boat and uh, apparently he doesn't captain it himself he pays a guy to take him out in his boat and he goes out and fishes um every day that he can and he brings the uh the players the players um love when he goes because he brings them uh freshly caught salmon when the salmon are biting huh. and corbin was saying um the guys are like how can you never bring us a lake trout and he's like they're nasty to eat 
And they're like, no, dude, it's a trout. Bring us one. So he brought him a lake trout and he said it was like the nastiest thing ever. Huh. Have you guys ever eaten it? I've had them smoked and it was pretty good. But I think like if you smoke any fish, it's probably pretty good. Yes. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I don't I just put them back. Usually I know a lot of people that do really like to eat them. Really? But there's I mean, man. I don't like eating fish that much. And there's people who eat like they'll eat any fish they catch. So, oh, sure. <laughs> you know, I, I'm maybe not the best judge on it. <clears throat> right. On. I had them in Wyoming. Not you've had it? Taste pretty good. Yeah. But, you know, smaller ones. I'm sure if you eat a big one, it's like anything, right? The older ones don't taste as good. But I've, I've ate a lot of smaller ones. And they start in Wyoming. They're pretty good. But it is. It makes me think just saying how like there are just people who want to eat everything. That's the best conversation with someone who's not familiar with like fishing enthusiasts their mind is so confused when you like say oh yeah i eat fish like maybe once a year like i haven't kept a fish in a long time and you can see like smoke come out of their ears as they try to process like the fact that you would release fish conversations yeah exactly i had one single crappie in my live well for a couple hours the other day and it ended (laughs) up going back in the lake i was like i never keep fish I got me a crappie. If I catch two more, I'm going to have a dinner. And yeah. Then, yeah. I never caught any more. So I chucked it back. <laughs> That's good. We well, should have just added like a three or four pounder to the mix, dude. Just catch one of your regular large mouth. There you go. Boom. Yeah. Ruin your the biggest one of the day. There you go. Yeah. Keep the big <laughs> fish of the day. It's a good call. Well, dude, let's get back to that giant uh, bag that you had the other day, Jody, because that is pretty crazy. Is that, is this the only time of year where you can catch a bag that size? Uh, for me, yes, because I get the time to fish. Um, but you can do it in the pre-spawn up here too. Um, like if you're, it's a pretty small window because it seems like spring in the North happens fast. Like you'll have little pockets of the lake that'll warm up and there'll be fish on beds. Like when there's a bunch of 40 degree water in the lake and it's like 55 and some other corner. Like and they'll they spawn move at quick. 55. Yeah, or like high 50s. Like they move really fast up north here. Um, I think, I guess they assume they have a limited window to get it done in. Um, but so if you can stay on the water or you hit it just right, you can do it in the spring, honestly, pretty easily. Like I know multiple 30 pound bags that get caught every spring in Vermont. But generally the spring is like our heaviest tournament season so i get like two days strung together and i have not hit it right for years yeah because um, you are thinking you do have weather as a factor and just all kinds of stuff huh still at that point and you know if you're a day early well maybe you catch a couple of them where they're like pushing in and grouped up but you don't hit it perfect and if you're a week late there's like a couple fish on beds and they get in that weird finicky cruisy thing. And all of a sudden, I mean, I'm not good enough to catch 30 pounds then. <laughs> I don't think many people are. That's well, that's cool. Um, yeah, I guess it is just a short season overall. And is there, is there an actual fishing season? Like, like a bass fishing season on by, yeah, by the rules. Yeah, we have a, so there used to actually be a season uh, back when I was growing up. And so we all, everyone used to go like, in march uh and fish for pike with quotation marks um yeah and yeah. they just sort of let us let it slide um 
but now we've got a year-round catch and release season. Oh, and good. So, like, it's all open whenever. Um, there's a few parts of, like, uh, the St. Lawrence and, like, some other places in New York that are, like, actually closed-closed to bass fishing. Like, they've got signs at the ramp. You've probably seen them. Like, if you launch at, like, some of the ramps that go out to, uh, like, near Chameau and stuff like that on Ontario, uh-huh. they have little signs that are, like, Black Bass season is specifically then. Wow. <laughs> when does it be, start, like, dude? Uh, it's late. It's, um, it's like, sort of, it starts during the spawn. Like, there'll be fish on bed, but it's not, like, a, you can't go there pre-spawn. If you... Now, some people have, and you can catch super mega bags there pre-spawn. <laughs> uh, but it's like, that's the only place that I know in the Northeast that really has a strict season. Everything else, it's at least catch and release. You're good to go. Interesting. Huh. Um, well, dude, and before we go too much further, too, we didn't really do, I didn't do a good job uh, in the intro. Can you uh, just walk us back? I know, like talked about how you, you wear a lot of different hats in the fishing industry so and we got we're going to ask some questions pertaining to that too so can you just real quick just run us through all the hats you wear with major league fishing uh you know some of your tournament fishing experience stuff like that yeah sure so i started working for flw um right out of college and like i fished in college um what school and oh it was fantastic what school and did you go to virginia tech okay um made a few national championships had a good time at the same time like i was no jordan lee like i was okay at college fishing you know (laughs) um and uh started working for flw on like the pr side um and then they let me move down to kentucky and like move into sort of the magazine and website and like tournament coverage and handed me a camera and now i've been taking pictures of guys fishing and writing about it for years now i think i've worked i think i guess almost 10 years or maybe 10 years and you know when flw got bought by major league fishing like really my job didn't change (laughs) i just kept doing the same thing i there were like some more people that got integrated around me and i kept watching guys fish and taking pictures and you know talking about it i've been like any almost any like piece of media that we've done except like live fishing i've had some sort of hand in over the years just because you know with flw it was a pretty small company with mlf it's bigger but it's still a situation where sometimes you just need somebody to pull on a rope you know what i mean obviously you're doing a good job anytime you see two companies merge like that and uh, your job doesn't change and you're one of the things that they leave alone. That's a that's a compliment, dude. Yeah, I was I was a little bit worried. I mean, there was if you remember back in the I guess it was the fall of 2019, I think, right? Or that was uh it was probably 2020 when the purchase went down, right? Because 2019 was the first year that uh the, the vast purchase yeah, was anyway, started. The, that fall, yeah. whatever the, that fall was. Um, the, there were like all sorts of rumors about how they were going to like cut the FLW tour, like to nothing, you know, it was going to be like 30 boats. Like it was just an intense time to be worrying about a job. And at the same time we had the Toyota series going and I like always knew like people have got to cover the Toyota series. I'm right here. Like there's, 
there's a floor to what can happen to me. And so far it's been all good, all good, all the way. Right on. And the, the Toyota series is better than ever right now. Right. I mean, the participation's through the roof, huh? Yeah. Like this last year was really good. I suspect that this next year is going to be really good. Granted, like gas is expensive. Boats are expensive, but people still seem to be fishing a lot. Um, and I know more, like, I just anecdotally, I know more people who are, like, switching to the Toyota series or getting ready to fish the Toyota series than I think I've ever known before, uh, especially in the Northeast. So That's cool. I think it's going to be another really good year. Is, and, is, that, is that due to some of Bass's changes with the nine opens, probably? I think so. Yeah. I, I know some guys who, you know, they would fish three and it would be, Three and it it would be cool and fun and maybe you'd qualify and knowing that you're fishing three for essentially maybe to make the classic versus if you fish three Toyota Series events like the championship pays two hundred thousand plus that's like, a it's sick a really cool championship the, the, yeah. the ten grand to the highest finisher in each division too like uh, yeah. twelve guys came from out west and one, everyone knew that if I finish the top out of these twelve I'm getting ten grand extra. Yeah, like, and the Western Division this year, uh, what was it? Uh, Pat Tui, I think, won from, like, 12th place. Yep, um, yep. Sometimes it doesn't even take that. You know, sometimes it's like, if you finish 25th from out West, or even some of the other divisions, you can take it home. For um, sure. Tui's on a really, tear, isn't he? He's a, he's a good fisherman. I'm learning a lot more about that guy lately. He's yeah. good, dude. He's fishing the Invitationals next year, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm... I haven't met him really. I'm stoked to watch him fish. He uh so that Havasu Toyota series, he he blew it out by like uh 15 pounds or something like that, dude. It was it was a blowout win the first tournament of the season, I think, out here. Yes, like have you, big time. Have you been to Havasu to cover? Twice. I cool. love that lake. It's one of my favorite lakes in the world. Like it's so pretty, man. The watercolor is Oh, it's gorgeous. I love clear water. I, I hate dirty water. <laughs> that's it's, cool. it's amazing. It's got like a unique dude. The only uh, place that's got similar looking uh, water to have us who is St. Clair to me. It's got this real it's clear, but it's also got this kind of aqua greenish tint to it. Um, St. Clair's St. Clair's water is a little more intense. It's, it's not actually quite as clear, a little greener, but it's the same tint. Yeah, I guess it reminded me of like St. Lawrence water. Because I feel like that's got that real blue to it sometimes, too. Yeah, but, yeah. But Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's a sweet lake. And just the, it's one of those places where variety is so cool. You know, I've been there and there have been guys who have been flipping. There have been guys who go up the river. There have been guys who are fishing like those structures or trees or something out deep. You see somebody throw a swim bait. Like, I love a lake where you can do a lot of things on it to have success. That's pretty cool. So uh, two-part two question here. I mean, when you first off, uh, when you're out here, did you get the chance to fish at all? And then how often do you get to fish when you're covering a tournament? Do you ever get to stay late? Like, I know you made friends with a lot of the fishermen. Do you get to stay late uh, very often? I used to, like, really try to do it more when I was younger. Um, and I don't know if I just tried harder then or I, I don't really know what, but, like, I fish I fish Clear Lake for a couple days twice I think after nice. tournaments out there which I mean Clear Lake was 
still is really a bucket list list place, but it's always somewhere that I've always wanted to fish my whole life. Um, but sometimes to film day five, you know, right after the tournament, oh, yeah. we'll go out and that's a tricky one because you're fishing, but you're not really fishing that much. Um, you know, you're mostly filming. The most I fished on a day five probably was uh, the St. Lawrence with Sheffield over the summer because we finished filming at like 11 o'clock or so, maybe 1030. And uh, and it started to rain. And Rob, who was doing the filming, left. And Spencer and I just stayed on the water for like three more hours and caught smallmouth. Like, that was perfect. Um, <laughs> that but, is a hardcore uh, fisherman right there, dude. He's he'll he'll stay and fish as long as you want to fish. Yeah. Um, and he's you know he's gonna be dangerous next year. I would have loved to have seen him with the uh like every fish counts format, honestly. Oh yeah. He would be legit at that. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean he'll he will be no matter what, but yeah, that dude is uh here to stay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but really I don't get to do it that often. I've spent a lot of times on lakes around the country. A lot of hours on them and never made a cast. <laughs> it hurt me a lot more when I was younger. Like when I was first getting into it, there'd be times where I'd be like, man, I wish I could fish. And now it's not as hard. You get used to it. Interesting. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's it's a weird thing for the, for the guys that, that work in the industry, but also fish a lot too. Like uh, is, so I guess, yeah, you just kind of, I guess, answered the question, but you're getting more used to going and doing your job than ha having a fisherman's mindset when you're on these cool places. Yeah. And I don't, you know, obviously there's like a lot of folks in and around fishing who like to fish. I don't know of too many who fish as much as I do and aren't fishing for a living. I mean, I've really prioritized it a lot through my life, which I guess is, you know, maybe to the detriment of some things, but you know, <laughs> you're a sick puppy. Dude. A lot that's of all there fish. is to it. <laughs> yeah, so. that's cool. I love it. Well, I mean, the fact that you're going fishing in January in New York, dude, just says it all. Like you got you got a problem. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> uh what's your so what are your some of your favorite stops? What are some of your favorite stops? And then some places where you're like, ah, dude, we've already been here a million times, like going here again. Uh, I don't like Grand Lake. It's always cold. Okay, um, so it's got a great bias. cold launch, but it's always cold, and the fishing is never as good as I want it to be. Um, I like Florida a lot because I like going down and it being warm. Like I like the change, but the places in Florida, I'm like kind of so-so on. I really like Rayburn. Um, it's just a cool lake. It seems like I feel like I'm around a lot of bass fishing history when I'm there. Um, I like a place you could like catch a 10 pounder. Um, I like all the Northern stops, obviously. Like I love Champlain. I like the St. Lawrence. Uh, Messina is a little tough. It's like a really a haul to get to where the guys catch them a lot of times, but I like it up there a lot. Um, I don't know. I, it's a, uh, everything I'm cool with pretty much everywhere we go. I'm really looking forward to going to Ufala next year in Oklahoma because I've never been there. Also never been to Clark's Hill. So I get to go to two places next year that literally haven't seen, which will be really interesting. And they have some bass fishing history too. They're kind of both kind of classic United States bass fishing lakes that just 
haven't been on the national radar in a long time, right? What are they? Go um, ahead, Jody. Eufaula in Oklahoma mm-hmm. and then Clarks Hill, which is it's like South Carolina, Georgia. Is it like okay. right on the border, I think? Or maybe just in South I've never Carolina? been there, dude. I've never been there. Yeah, I, I know it's in that region, but yeah, I don't know. I know well, I've heard a lot about uh Eufaula just being buds with James Elam and rooming him for so with him for so long. You know, his whole fam- family and friend network, they they fish that place a lot. And uh, I drive over it on I-40 all the time. And to be honest, for me, it's never looked at inviting because that little park that you drive over it, um, I know you guys have too. It's just, it, it's very shallow and muddy right there, you know, and it's <laughs> same thing. You're driving over and it's a cold, nasty, windy day and you look out and there's just white caps of mud and you're like, oh, I, I never have to fish <laughs> yeah, No, there. thanks. But I I drove along that lake. Um, My son had a baseball tournament in Southern Oklahoma and they flew out of uh, Tulsa. So I had to drive along the the lake and it like, I think I drove along that lake for almost two hours. It seemed like it's a giant lake, at least an hour. I mean, it's a big, big lake. It is pretty big. I think like it's got sections to it. And if you look at it on a map, like it's, it's there's a lot of water there yeah dude so uh i know i've talked about it on the podcast but james has a nine pound smallmouth out of there or an eight oh. and a half or a nine pound smallmouth out of uh, you fall oh my goodness not kidding dude, i gotta get down there probably yeah, caught shallow too right yeah it was on a spinnerbait dude it was you know it's, <laughs> the, the smallmouth fishing there's real different but uh yeah his, his dad's got like a seven and yeah. uh, they've got some formula figured out where they know like the time to go do it like there's like a two-week window on this weather you go down there and try it and you can catch a giant smallmouth. and uh yeah can you I don't imagine know. that bite oh, almost hit the rod out of your hand wow no kidding yeah yeah crazy fish speaking of that how about that have you jody have you talked to on your podcast so jody hosts the major league fishing podcast by the way you haven't mentioned it yet but um does a great job hosting that another one of the many things he does have you brought up that that fish on your show yet I haven't yet because I've been really just doing like more interview stuff. Um, but for like the last three or four days, I've been meaning to try to find the guy's number because I want to just have him on the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I want to pick his brain. I, I mean, 10 pound smallmouth are, you know, freaks of nature. Like it would be incredible. And so it's almost 11, I hope we get right? him on. It's like a 10, 15, something like that. Yeah. It, dude, can you? I can't imagine. I, I haven't caught a seven pound smallmouth yet. I really want to catch a seven. Um, I can't imagine catching a nine or a 10 or yeah, it would be amazing. There's a couple different views of it. And the Bass Blaster blog from Jay Kumar, he's got a picture of that thing as like as the dude's lifting it out of the live well and the shoulders on the fish when he's lifting it out of the live well, like you see it's the mouth is the size of his hand, which is incredible for yeah. a smallmouth. Yeah, small and then yeah. the way the back, comes out and you can see the shoulders i mean the fish takes up the whole opening of the live well as he's pulling it out like i mean it's like a 10 it's a it's a stouter version of a 10 pound largemouth it's just it's it's crazy looking and uh you know jay had some of the details the guy's name is greg gallagher um he looks like a tournament fisherman pretty hardcore fisherman i think he was fishing with his son um and they it was a deeper spot i think 30 to 35 feet what he said they're on Lake Erie and they caught, they pull up to the spot and they catch a five pounder and it has the whole school with it and it pulls the whole school up. And in the notes, 
he said there's one fish left it on the graph that didn't come up with the rest of the school. <laughs> <laughs> they uh the dude pitches out to that one fish and that's that's the one it was wow he's just like the huge asshole of the group and he's like a non-conformist he's like <laughs> not worried about what they're all doing <laughs> apparently so dude he's like i'm yeah, not leaving love, my rock yeah right like f you like this is my spot i would love for like a biologist to study a fish like that you know you wonder so many things like is it old did it just grow fast like how do how do you like jody said those freaks like how do those come to be you know like it's just it's crazy it's, yeah how's he that much bigger dude he's dude seriously because okay so if like an 11 is like a freak of nature and a seven is a really rare fish we're talking four pounds heavier that's over 50 percent. well almost 50 percent. no it is 50 percent bigger that that's like proportionately crazy it is yeah 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 i mean how, I, does it does it just have a faster growth rate or is it is it right. six years older go ahead jody i cut you off oh i was just gonna say like assuming that's true which i, I don't have any reason to doubt it like i don't see why you would it lie looks about. reasonable right yeah do you are you surprised that a fish that size came out of a school of five pounders because yeah. that's striking to me that there would be like such a size difference yeah, which He's which the school of fives of are giants. <laughs> yeah, they're giants to begin with. But yeah, you always think of a fish like that doing its own thing. Yeah, like I hardly ever, if I'm catching two pounders, I'm leaving. Like I'm never thinking I'm going to catch a five pounder with a two. Agreed. Uh -huh. So maybe a five and a ten, like maybe they're old enough. They're like, yeah, we're chill now. But <laughs> it's his rock, right? And those assholes just like blew over it. And he's like, get out of my water. <laughs> I, just, guys just swam through by accident. I just think there's not enough 10 pounders for him to have buddies. <laughs> he's lonely. <laughs> he's lonely. <laughs> I can't believe I got to hang out with these kids, but yeah. there's nobody else. <laughs> Losers. Look at them all swimming around, following him. Clearly he's hooked. <laughs> One uh, interesting phenomenon that we have here in Arizona on some of our lakes, like they, they do school by size a lot. And, and I think that's really related to forage, right? Like you get the two pounders like threadfin shad, the five pounders like gizzard shad, you know, ba basics, sure. right? But um, so they're going to work together to get that food that they like. But um, we have a weird deal on some of our lakes where there's kind of an imbalance, like, like some of our lakes have a lot of small fish, but there's also some giants that live in there. Like, you know, Lake Travis is a lake that's similar where you have a lot of one to two pounders, but there's still 10 pounders that live in the lake. And uh, there's rare situations where you'll be, you know, around a bunch of dinks like that and you'll catch or see a giant, like a, a eight, nine, 10, 12 pounder. And uh, I think a lot of times that big one's there to eat the little ones, dude. Yeah. Like, uh, hmm. we, I think uh, that's, I think that's more often than not in Arizona, don't you? That <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, that it's like that where they don't school in size compared. I think smallmouth they probably tend to do that more than largemouth. In yeah, do you agree? I think it it depends a lot on the lake. Like I mean, yeah. it, it, you know, Roosevelt's a lake where I think they do a lot. They do school by size again because because of the forge factor. But right, like Pleasant's kind of a different deal. Uh, and then like I'm thinking about a couple of the scenarios where we're talking about the the cannibals and, and uh and i've seen i've seen that at roosevelt too a little yeah. bit um do you, but yeah. do you use baby bass colors there because i've never used baby bass colors for a smallmouth 
yeah and, and i don't know if it's it's i think a lot of it's uh because it just looks really good in clear water like that baby bass that that really light watermelon just looks so mm-hmm. good and natural in clear water it's a go-to color for a lot of guys and uh i don't know if it's like you know when when also when there's a lot of fry and stuff you just wonder when there's a lot of fry and fingerling bass how many of those are getting eaten by other bass but you know one little thing that i would do and i don't do it as much anymore but like a lot of times in the post spawn you take like a like that baby bass color and just dip the tail in black and dude it looks so good and it caught a lot of fish and and you don't know if those fish that are eating it are like i'm eating a baby a baby bass right now or if they're just like <laughs> look at that that thing looks good let's eat it but <laughs> I don't know. You don't use baby bass much your way. I mean, I do. I, I used to for like Sanko color, uh, you know, up shallow for largemouth. But like, I've, you know, you can buy like a smallmouth pattern swim bait, and I think I've even seen like little smallmouth pattern crankbaits and stuff. And I've never even thought about buying one and trying like a jerk bait that's looks like a smallmouth. Yeah, I always throw one that like looks like a shad or a perch or something. <laughs> You've got some real dominant up north. You got some real uh, dominant bait fish deals, right? Like, yeah, like you said, the the perch, the smell, the yeah. You you don't have to gobies in a lot of places, right? Sometimes out west, these lakes these lakes have small fish populations, and they're just so weird. You got to do weird stuff. Got to got to mix it up a little bit more, I think. But um, anyways, that was a crazy fish. It'll be cool to see more details come out on it. I know that, uh, the guy, I don't think has said what he caught it on. I don't know why, like, I, I don't know what the advantage would be to hold on to that. Can you guys take Because flatworm, bro, it? he's trying to keep it on the down low. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, he doesn't want a secret keep, flatworm to get out. <laughs> gotta keep the top secret. Um, uh, maybe he caught it on like an alewife or something. Maybe he caught on something illegal. I don't That's, know if alewives are illegal, but <laughs> he pro- dude, I'm yeah. not saying he did, but like, dude, if you've ever dropped down a shiner or something on a drop shot in the winter, they eat it. <laughs> well, clip. Hey, clip that. Jody said he caught it on live bait. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Blasted out. <laughs> Well, Josh and I saw. I thought about secret. doing it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's what you soak them in: flatworms and maple syrup. You're welcome. So I, I'm trying to picture too. So he's from Ontario. He caught that thing probably somewhere around. Was he like around Peely Island? That's that's what I heard. I heard he caught okay. it around Peely. Okay. Um, but like out in that like ballpark, you know, just past where you were allowed to go in the super tournament. <laughs> yeah, that was a wild deal in that deal. We not being able to fish Canada, being up on St. Clair or Lake Erie and not be able to go to Canada is uh it's torturous. Oh. <laughs> it's torturous. Uh, well, cool. Anyways, let's uh, let's get back to fishing up your way, man. So, so do you not do you not winterize your boat because you're there's a chance you might go? Mm, I do when I so I did last year. You know, I keep it running and going until like I'm pretty sure I'm done, and then I go to the dealership and I'm the last one there, and they're like, "What are you? Are you crazy?" And uh, I have them like fog the motor and like do all the regular winterization stuff and then i turn the key again in sometime in march usually because generally like i'm not going to be on the water in february um this year i might not winterize it i might like trek south as the Mm. after like my hardcore winter goes on and i might try to like kind of do the 
fishing gypsy, cover some tournaments, catch a few bass kind of situation. And then if it's going to sit for a couple weeks, I guess I'll just let it sit for a couple weeks. But now by the, I generally, you know, I'll winterize it if I'm going to let it sit. Otherwise, dude, by the end of the season, like, you know, I have like a box of blade baits and a box of swim baits and then like 7,000 different articles of clothing and four rods in the boat because you kind of get down to the basics at the end of the yeah. year and you run light are you running lithiums in your boat oh and is that, that because kind of, of the cold <laughs> that's a good question rob because I, I i know the northern guys have had some issues with um storing their batteries in their boat after you know when they winterize it and then you almost have to take them out and put them in inside i guess from what i understand I think I've heard about that, but I've always run lead acids. And so like, I don't, and I would like to try other stuff, but I just don't mess with it because I run the same stuff and it mostly it works. works. You yeah. know, there've, yeah. there've been some days where I'm like, well, I'm on the St. Lawrence and it's like 1030 and I'm out of juice. So yeah. it'd be nice if that wasn't the case, but. <laughs> I was late to convert too. And uh, I've only been running lithium for like two years and uh, God, the performance is unbelievable i've got the uh, trackers performance is crazy but uh yeah I, i've heard uh similar stuff rob where like you get out there and, and they get below what is what's the temp that they get below they turn off they shut off yeah i don't even know i know it's whatever it does and where i heard that from was a a, cl a fishing client of mine that is a boat salesman in north dakota so they sell a bunch of walleye boats and they're having some issues with them after storing them. So hmm. ice yeah. fishing guys use lithium a ton. They do. Like, yeah. So, Good point. Like on their shuttles and to carry just to run live scope and things like that. So there's gotta be some way around it or something. Cause they'll go out in the cold, like a lot. Yeah. That's fishing. a good point. <laughs> so ice fishing really isn't your thing then dude like you're not gonna you're not gonna spend much time on the ice other than like a couple little trips i actually ice fished a lot this last year because we had good ice on champlain and uh i like i just really got into ice fishing for lake trap like it was the most fun i had live i've it's like it's a lot of fun if you ever get a chance to ice fish for lake trout with live you should do it it's a blast, but what kind of, what kind of rod and reel do you use? Because they're big fish, dude. Can you use that little tiny rod and reel? Uh, I think one sec. Yeah. Ooh. About to get a lake trout seminar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's see. I bought this last year. It's been really good. Uh, it's a 45 inch doesn't say anywhere on it but it's like a 45 inch sort of like i guess medium heavy or heavy interesting ice rod it's got some backbone like to fight a big pretty fish solid. Mm -hmm. yeah and i put a uh i put like a 3000 size spinning reel with regular braid and i ran like a 12 pound leader because they they have teeth but it generally you hook them near the front of the mouth like they're not like a pipe where you really need a heavy leader for them. Sideways or something. Uh -huh. Yeah. Do you and, use uh, like a spoon? I use like 
uh, either a swim bait or a Demiki just on like a three eighths or quarter ounce jig head. And you kind of like jig it near the bottom, maybe three to five feet off and you'll see them come into the screen and you start reeling up uh-huh. and they'll follow it up. And if they peel off, you just open the bale and free spool it back down and get them to follow it up again. I've had some where like the leader will be in my guide and they'll <laughs> bite it like right at the hole. Over no kidding, people. man. Uh, it's they're so active. It's so cool. Very interesting. You how do you, catch how do you locate them? Do you use a live to locate them also? Uh, they move around so much. I don't think it would be really efficient. I just mostly will like look on Lake Master, find myself a nice hump and like post up on the corner of it for 20 minutes. And if I don't see a fish, I'll move to the other side of it and try over there because they really swim like smallmouth don't move in the winter. Really? Like, I feel like they move like 20 feet a day (laughs) and the lake trout are just (laughs) constantly cruising. Interesting. Um, what was it gonna? Oh yeah, you ever catch a smallmouth through the ice? Yeah, they. Uh, it's so funny how slow they move down there. You can watch them on the bottom, like just inch over to you, <laughs> and inch and inch and inch. It feels like you can see every kick of their tail, and then they'll, uh, and they'll come over and like bite it. And it's you know you're dealing with I guess water in the 30s, like they should move slow. Uh-huh. Um. But then once they, once they, once you hook them, like they fight pretty good. Like they, they fight. I mean, it's not exactly like a smallmouth, but they pull way better than a perch or a walleye or something through the ice. Um, Interesting. Hmm. It's weird because I've caught them like through the. Uh, I've caught them through the ice deep, like on wintering stuff, you know, out in thirty feet, and I've also caught them through the ice, um, in like ten feet of water, like on a minnow or something up on a point, you know. There's there's obviously some smallmouth that, that, and I guess it's probably the case for all species all the time, but, like, there's some fish that bass fishermen neglect, you know? Because, like, you wouldn't, I wouldn't go out in November, December, and just fire a swim bait up in 10 feet of water on a point. Like, I'm going to be probably fishing deeper than that. Whereas, and yet in February, I caught them up there. Like, what's the deal? <laughs> Those fish, it's very interesting. I think there's, I guess it's always like that, but like as a fisherman, you go where probably you're going to be most efficient. Like, there, sure, there's 10% of the fish up there still, but you probably want to be where there's 90% of the fish, right? And that's what we do. Yeah. We try to do, not always. Sometimes you're accidentally fishing where there's 10% of the fish because uh, you don't know where 90% of them are. But <laughs> I'm usually fishing where 5% of them are. <laughs> yeah, dude, I hear you. That's how it was the other day. <laughs> well, dude, this I has been a... awesome. Um, yes. What else do you guys have for Jody? I know Nick's trying to say something. I'm not letting him talk. Go ahead, normal. Nick. No, nah, I'm used to it. No, it's a very uninteresting anecdote about fishing for lake trout in my vast career of like negative three times of doing it. I have a good buddy though in Wyoming and he's just like the lake trout whisperer and he catches giants every year. He's actually a really great smallmouth fisherman too. He's got a nice little pattern going on in Wyoming and he's always sending me pictures of a big smallmouth he catches. But the one time that I got up there and lake trout fished with him wasn't through the ice or anything. But as you were describing Jody, where like you'd reel and follow him up and we were pulling him from like a hundred feet deep. 
And uh, oh, it's the coolest thing ever, man. You can just watch them on the graph. Come, 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 come. And then like, if they eat it, right, your rod loads up. And if they don't, just send it back down. And I don't know. And now, you know, so much fishing on live scope is that way you're interacting with a fish on a screen and, you know, kind of enticing them. That was probably already five or six years ago. So it wasn't quite to the level that it's at. I remember just saying like, man, this is a crazy exciting and entertaining way to fish you know it's just like and then with the probability of it being pretty big it's it's fun i i wish we had at resources like that closer to where we live because it's it's a lot of fun yeah josh if you ever the next time you fish champlain like in the summertime if you go out to like 90 to uh 120 uh-huh. out in the like south of plattsburgh in the main lake um like on a point or a hump out there drop the live scope or just idle a little bit and drop the live scope. You can jig Lakers like out of your bass boat. Just put on the heaviest jig head you have. It's like pretty fun in the summer. So you can do it in the middle of the summer. Yeah. And are they on the bottom that deep? Yeah, they'll be on the bottom. um, It may be like on the bottom, like 10 feet off the bottom. They like really cold. Like Mm. they like the bottom. Um, And they, uh lakers they can like burp up air so you don't have to worry about um fizzing them or anything when you catch them that deep like you can just catch them and drop them right back (laughs) in and they're good to go that's that's really cool how many like when you go do it like say you say i know you know the lake really well but like say you were like i'm gonna go fish for the lake trout instead of bass today in august how many is like a good day I actually haven't done it in Champlain. I've done it in the Adirondacks. Okay. Um, and I would say like, I never do it all day. I'll do it and I'll catch like five or 10 and then go fish for bass. So it's not rocket science though. You can go just catch some. Yeah, you can go catch some. It's, I mean, look, it's definitely easier to catch perch, but, and probably easier to catch bass too, because it's Champlain. It's loaded with bass. But if you're not like, trying to catch a trophy if you're just trying to catch some like it should it doesn't take too long to find some that's pretty cool man yeah, yeah it's, it's a cool little fishery oh it is dude it's you know every time i go i fall more in love with it and i've only been there like maybe three or uh, probably three or four times um but dude it's just like the the first time i went i got my butt kicked which didn't help right you get a little sour on it have, having a bad tournament but I still, I still caught a ton of fish and it was great, but the more you go and, and then the more different ways you catch them, you know, you, you catch them up, uh, around Rouse's point, catch big, small mouth, chase some bait just on flats. And there's miles and miles of flats. And then you go around the corner of the inland sea and you catch them drop shotting in 30 feet. And then you go a little bit further down and you whip into a bay and you catch them punching, catch largemouth punching a heavy weight. And uh, you go into another bay and you catch them on a topwater over a grass, over a grass bed. And it's like, golly, dude, this is like, and, and, and you got Disneyland, it's not easy, but like you got potential to catch 17 to 20 pounds doing any of those things. Yeah. That's why it's such a good tournament. Like, cause like it's big enough people spread out and then it's uh, and that could be, we'll see how it changes over the years. Like this last year, more people were just, honed in on live scoping alewives than i've ever seen like it might it, get boring i hope not but i mean historically like it's one of those lakes where man 
you can have a bunch of guys in the top 10 doing different things and you can put like 12 rods on deck for 12 different things and use them all and not feel stupid, but yeah. you have to make good decisions. It's, it's incredibly, it's easy to catch fish, but it's hard to catch winning fish. And to do that, you've got to make all the right calls all day long. And the lake's so big and it, and just like Jody said, it spreads out and you look at the map and it's one of those lakes. You look at the map and you're like, I could fish that, that, and that today. And you get out there and the wind decides to blow 13 miles an hour. Just a normal, light, breezy day. Dude, like those places are like 16, 18 miles apart. And that 13 mile an hour breeze generates three and a half foot chop. And it's like nasty chop to drive through. And, and just talking about the good decisions for a tournament angler, that makes your, you better pick the right one to fish because you might only be fishing one of those places uh, in that case, you know. Jody, do you believe that the smallmouth bag weights have increased since live scope? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's some of it's a forage thing too, though. So like, uh, on Champlain in particular, we've seen, especially in the last couple of Toyota series and in the pro circuit, the smallmouth fishing was just incredible. Uh, there were like more 20 pound bags of smallmouth than we've really historically seen. Uh, a couple years ago, uh, Steve Estes won a Toyota series event. He had over 20 a day of smallmouth. Um, I, a few years before that, um, Ron Nelson won, he had over 20 a day with smallmouth during the spawn. And wow. I, I think that we're obviously much more effective at targeting them. The live scope active target uh chase chasing roaming ALY feeding fish is changing it but the smallmouth are getting bigger on champlain i think because of the alewives uh there's i would bet a pretty good amount of money there's not gobies in like champlain right now i know folks will disagree on that but like i'm choosing to trust the science on this one <laughs> uh and i've never caught one there um and the fish behavior doesn't seem like there's gobies there you know but the fish are getting bigger eating alewives, I think. And dive, we're having a little bit longer growing seasons. Dive so into that kind of a combo. About the, the fish behavior, how they behave different with gobies or alewives, just briefly. Well, so Oneida is maybe like a few, I don't know. I, Josh, you might have fished a tournament there pre-gobies. But nope, it used to be Oneida. Didn't. Okay, so Oneida was like a big... It was a schooling lake a lot. Like guys would catch them on top water. They would catch them chasing schooling perch, schooling shad. And they still do in the fall. Like in the fall there right now, if you're not throwing an umbrella rig, you're going to get blown out of the water. But in the summertime, it's like all about dragging a jig on the bottom. And there's so many. Uh, and that, yeah, you could always catch them on rock, but guys would pop tournament wins doing all sorts of oddball things just because they would find fish that were moving and feeding. And now those smallmouths stick on the bottom. Like I, it, when I was there this summer, I hardly, I probably caught like three or four fish total that like I was actually live scoping that were like mid water column that weren't just on the bottom. And you see it on the great lakes too, like out at Lake Erie, you know, those fish are all eating gobies. 
or they're eating emerald shiners and the ones that are eating gobies are on the bottom you know i think that if we had gobies in champlain like talk about that cool topwater bite um you know i the way guys catch them on spinner baits and stuff like i think that there's a good chance that would become a bit of a thing in the past um and granted now with the alewives with how many guys are catching them over 30 to 50 feet in truly kind of the middle of nowhere uh that might change too um and if you don't have live scope or active target like pretty good chance if your name's not brian labelle you got like your butt kicked all summer on lake champlain <laughs> um but it's uh it, it's interesting like they will i think really change your behavior based on the forge makes a lot of sense man it does you see uh a different version of that is in the southeast where they uh the herring have blown up and got into into so many lakes and, and as a whole the tournament weights got better and i think the fish got bigger and some people like it and some people don't like there's some people that are like oh dude i used to love this lake till the dang herring got in here and now they're like ghosts they're impossible to stay on top of because they're all swimming around eating herring um and uh yeah i mean it's just that's i guess mother nature or whatever and uh you know, the lakes do change based on the forage and, and it's cool when it's, it's, it's something, a positive change that makes the fish grow. That's for sure. Yeah. I think we've seen a little example of that out here with the, we never had gizzard shad before. Now we have gizzard shad and it just, it's funny how bass, I mean, they're going to do whatever the bait fish does. And it definitely, you always hear the guys like, uh, Back in the day, we used to do this. Well, everything changes when the bait fish changes. So yeah, for sure, absolutely. Well, dude, this has been awesome. Um, do you guys have anything else for Joe? We've had him for almost an hour. Not really. I just appreciate him coming on, and uh, very cool. Uh, I've actually listened to your uh, podcast and enjoy it a lot. So people should. Uh, how do people get to that? uh just majorleaguefishing.com it's up okay. there um the uh probably the most recent episode by the time like folks are listening to this will be one with nick hatfield uh just to sort of wrap up his rookie season he won rookie of the year in the pro circuit um and uh you know you can find it wherever you find podcasts too okay. uh, it's just the mlf bass fishing podcast it should pop right up cool any big plans for next year, man? I know you, you mentioned that you might do some, uh, you know, some, some extra travel before the season starts and stuff, but anything different or, uh, you know, cool that you're looking forward to? Um, I qualified to fish the ABA, like the Ray Scott championship, and it's on the Red River at the beginning of April. Nice. So hey, you won I, of the year, by the way, in that circuit. Dominated it. Yeah, I did. It was a good awesome. year. <laughs> Um, but I have never fished a tournament on the Red River. I've never actually fished the Red River. I've been there twice. <laughs> um, and uh, I, at some point at the end of February, before it goes off limits, I got to trek down there and take a look at it and uh, hit some stumps. And then I got to go back in April and try and catch fish. So I'm really, 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 really looking forward to that just because I love a championship tournament. Like, I love covering them, the All-American Toyota Series. I love big stuff. Um, and so it's on a scale for me. You know, it's not hundreds of thousands of dollars, but it's uh, going to be a lot of fun, I think, or I hope. And uh, I'm looking cool, forward man. to that. 
It's basically the opposite of Champlain, that place. (laughs) Yeah, but you know, they eat a spinnerbait pretty good down there, I think. And they eat a spinnerbait pretty good at Thai in the spring. So uh, I'm just going to cross my fingers. (laughs) Yeah, dude, you'll do, you'll, you'll do good, man. I'm I'm stoked. So you got, you got guys from around the country and, and what is up for grabs? I think it's fifty grand in a twenty foot boat. That's a so big it's like deal, actually dude. pretty good. <laughs> yeah, oh, I don't yeah. know if the boat comes with graphs or anything, but it comes with a it comes with a motor and, and a uh, hole. You're good. <laughs> and a hole. So like that's uh, that's a big part of the bargain right there. <laughs> yeah. So well, that's uh, awesome, dude. We'll be watching. Yeah, be that. We'll, we'll yeah, watch. Good luck. Heck yeah! Fingers fingers crossed. We'll see. I I mean, I hope I catch fish. I also hope that I don't like tear things up too bad because it looks like a place where you can really tear some stuff up for sure. Yeah. At least you've been, been down there a couple of times and you probably have a pretty good idea how to, how to navigate it. But yeah, dude, it's, it's always nice to early in the year like that, you'll get down there in February, do some nice residual, some damage that you can, you know, have some nice residual um, effects for the rest of the year on your boat. That's usually how it goes, (laughs) dude. We start the year last, last year we started at Darbone fork, and uh, palestine dude had our boats on those three fisheries to <laughs> start like the year off boat. yeah all these brand new beautiful boats and that's that's the the schedule to start the season so that's always nice. yeah none of those places have stumps it's fine <laughs> exactly <laughs> we, dude uh over when, when i fished at bass we started at the sabine so often dude so you'd start with all the stumps and stuff <laughs> plus salt water so that was always nice too dude to get a bunch of you know salt water in and around your boat and motor to start the year off it cleanses it. It's sanitized. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's good. It, it like polishes it. That's what exactly. you want. Right. It's like yeah. 6,000 grit. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But hey, thanks. Thanks again so much, dude. Uh, enjoy uh, the rest of the off season. And um, yeah, make, make sure to check him out, guys, uh, on his podcast and on his channels. All right, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. you.